0: All right, welcome to our podcast. I'm here <laughs> with the Become a Calm Mama podcast. And go ahead, Jen.
1: And I'm here for the Raising Happy Teens podcast. We've done this collaboration before on a different topic, but we have a lot of insights and in comments. So why not get together and have another discourse on yeah. parenting?
0: Yes, we're our topic is social engineering and parenting. And Right before we started recording, I was like, okay, what is our big picture here? What is it that we are like wanting to frame? And I closed my eyes and I got quiet and I was like, the parents that I work with are so fucking afraid. Yeah. And then you were like, yeah. And I was like, okay, let's just go. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's really the the gist of everything that we're going to be talking about here is the behaviors that we see and that happen as a tendency of parents that comes from fear. And it's that underlying fear of I'm going to mess my kid up. Yeah. I'm doing it all wrong. And so, yeah, we're just going to be talking about some of the things that we're seeing, the tendencies, what's coming up and that it's fear-based and talk a little bit about what can be done to trust yourself a little more.
0: Yeah. So when we talk about social engineering, let's first just define what we're, what that is and like what, how we see it play out a little bit and then we'll kind of get into where it's coming from and why it's harmful and that kind of
1: thing. Yeah. So let me just explain what social engineering is. And basically what it is, is purposely orchestrating your child's environment from maximum popularity and success and minimum disappointment. So mm-hmm. it's like putting up the bumpers on your kid's life so that they don't go off the rails. Right. Or also, engineering or constructing their life for them.
0: Yeah. I almost feel like it's more than just bumpers that it's like you like figure out who's at the bowling alley, which lane they're going to be in. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, what, what they're going to, how they're going to dress when they go bowling,
1: uh-huh. you yeah. know, what bowl uh, who, they're going to use. Yeah. Well, but yeah,
0: exactly. Like how shiny yeah. it is. I mean, uh-huh. like, I, I believe that bumpers are really helpful. Yes, In terms of scaffolding and guiding and that kind of thing. But what we're seeing is almost like an intensity of not only are we going to let, like, we're not going to even let our kids bowl unless we know the entire experience is going to work for them.
1: (laughs) Right. Yeah. Yeah. And in environments that go beyond just extracurricular, right? There's Mm -hmm. social... Life, their academics, athletics, whatever area it is. And where it really comes from is just that fear, that parental fear that we were talking about, mm-hmm. that fear of them feeling something uncomfortable, or the fear of how it will make us look if the outcome is less than ideal.
0: Or the fear that our kid won't be in the right groups or like the right, like they're going to like all the other kids are going to have advantages and our kid is going get, to get behind mm-hmm. that. They're not going to have, you know, access and opportunity to all of these other like future things. I want to get into it a little more, but I was going to say an example of the first time that I don't know if this was the first time that this was true for me doing social engineering, but my son was in first grade at a new school And he had met this older boy who was like in third grade and he was sort of the naughty boy. Mm. And, and I put it in quotes, it's a podcast. You can't see, but I, you know, I don't, he wasn't actually naughty. He just was rambunctious and, you know, big energy and all of that on campus. And I, my son was drawn to that energy and it was like two grades above and it made me nervous. I didn't want him to associate with the naughty kid. I didn't want him to be with the older bad kid. Like I just, I felt really scared. And I remember saying to my friend, what do I do about it? You know, like, how do I handle this? And she was like, I just want to encourage it, but like allow it. They're in two different grades. It'll fizzle out. Yeah. And it was really good wisdom that she offered to me. And, mm-hmm. um, and i think there there are that's there's truth in that of like just don't encourage it there are friendships that we don't need our kids to be in or like it's okay to set boundaries and limits around groups and friends and things like that but i think some of the the reasons we do that like my fear underneath that behavior for my son was like oh no he's going to get wrapped up in with the bad kids and I would go like kind of all the way. I'm like, that's definitely drugs in the future. Right. Definitely high school dropout. Uh, I, I just got really caught up.
1: Right. Mm -hmm. And that can show up in their friendships. I know one of the things this is, we're talking a little bit about when they're younger because that, that really is when it tends to start Mm -hmm. having that fear One of the things that happened when my daughters were in school is the very, very beginning of the year, you would get the notification of what class Mm -hmm. your kids, right? And the district I worked for, it was like, you're in the class you're in, there's no changing. But the district my kids went to, you could have like up to two weeks to change, which to me was a giant mistake because if so-and-so wasn't in so-and-so's class, the the parent would want to move the kid.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: or if they're not in the cool teacher's class, or if they're not in the popular kids group class, Mm -hmm. they would want their kid to be moved, Yeah, be in the better class so that they could associate with these kids and be Mm -hmm. with this teacher. And it's really coming from it. The idea is that it's coming from what the parent is wanting for the kid more than what the kid is really needing or what could benefit the kid.
0: Yeah. Yes. Like, you don't, you don't actually know what's in service of your child. Mm-hmm. And when we do a lot of engineering and a lot of, you know, social manipulation and moving our kids around and making sure they're on this soccer team or they're in this dance program mm-hmm. and all of that, we don't know what opportunity we're denying them or what growth opportunity they're maybe not experiencing. It's like, yeah, you had all your kindergarten friends. There were six of you all together. And then I do see this happen. And I think it's legitimate where parents are like, but my kid, like all like the they put five girls in one class and one my mm-hmm. my daughter's in the other class. And I don't think they're lying. You know, I think sometimes that happens. Mistakes get made
1: mm-hmm. in
0: creating classes. And but we don't know who the other new six are gonna be. Uh-huh. Yeah. In that first grade class, like we don't know yet. And that, that could be their best friend for life. And we get scared right at the beginning. Uh, it's going to be yeah. okay. And we want to like jump in, you know, like they, we, there used to be helicopter parenting, right. Hovering close. And now it's bulldozing, like straight up going in with a giant peep being an earth mover and like making this big path. And that's, what we're really talking about really today. Yes.
1: Paving the path for your child Mm -hmm. to maximize their enjoyment of life. Yeah. And fear is one of the reasons why this happens. Mm -hmm. Also guilt. Yeah. I'm not doing enough. That's another Mm -hmm. really big challenge that people, parents, especially moms Mm -hmm. struggle with. Yeah. I'm not doing enough. I could be doing more insecurity can come up as well, just thinking back on your life and when you felt left out or when you felt like you didn't belong or that you weren't in the cool crowd or on the team and how hurtful that could have been and trying to protect your child from experiencing that Mm
0: -hmm. Yep.
1: where they could really benefit and learn and grow from going through that, just like you did. It was hard. Yes, but you made it through it. Mm -hmm. And there are positive outcomes from that as well.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I I I think I want to talk about the fear for just a few minutes because it's like I almost feel that there's an energy in mom world right now where there's just so much undercurrent of anxiety, like like a scarcity at all levels. So we we look at from early ages our thought is oh i have to make sure they do everything right all along and be in all the right programs to get to college <laughs> which yeah. is funny cuz we have teenagers and you coach teens and parents of teens and you know like even if the path is totally paved it doesn't necessarily mean a that they get in yep like you can i've no kids with 4.5 gpas da 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 all the things and they don't get into their school of choice and right. they go stay home for a year to, you know, regroup and go to community college or whatever. Not a problem. Or maybe they've worked so hard that they have mental health crisis at the end. Yeah. They don't know who they are. They have identity issues, right? So even if we orchestrate all of the outside because we're afraid that they're not going to be okay, the problem is that we're not actually building them up from internally. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And they oh. could walk on this amazing path that we bulldozed for them and mm-hmm. then be miserable. Yes. And realize this isn't my path.
0: Yeah. I don't like who I am. I don't like my my environment or anything because they haven't really had that opportunity to explore. So like our fear, it, I, I want to validate it at, as mm-hmm. for parents because it does feel like it's our responsibility. Like when we talked about the guilt, it's like, that's because we believe that it's our responsibility yeah. to make sure our kids are okay. Yeah. And then our, so we have this like idea that it's our, our job and then we misdefine what okay is.
1: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then taking it all on as our responsibility only adds to that anxiety. Yeah. And that fear.
0: Yes. And the pressure we have, and then the, we become over parenting, But I see it because I work with a lot of parents of younger kids and, you know, it starts so young, like in in five years old, you know, they're going to karate and then they're in two sports and then they have a tutor. And then a lot of them are doing OT, like occupational therapy. And and they have a lot going on every day. Yeah. And then they go to school and there's the pressure, you know, they're trying to be little kids and things. And then all the other moms are talking about all the things they're doing. So then you think we should be doing it. And it's like like a fish doesn't know it's in water or that it's wet or whatever they say, you know, like Uh a fish doesn't know it's wet. And I think parents oftentimes think all of this is normal, but they don't realize they're putting it on each other. Right. And leadership, I think we're getting into solutions, but like leadership is really about like scooting back up big picture. What is it that works best for my family?
1: Yes. What do
0: we really need here? What does emotional well-being actually look like? Yeah. Yeah. That family dynamic. What, what do we want to make room for? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But we, when we're stuck in that, it's almost like the rat race or whatever, but with parenting, mm-hmm. like, oh my God, we got to keep up. We got to keep up. And my kids, you know, it, cause then it happens. All these kids are in one class and they go after school to something and then your your kid slowly doesn't get invited. And then they do go to, to the dance, but they're not going to go to the birthday party after. Cause it's only for the kids in that one class yep. It actually happens. Oh yeah. Yeah.
1: And what, what you're explaining is very much keeping up with the Jones, the Joneses, but it's less, it's more subtle. Yeah. It's not, you know, so visible as the house that you have or the car that you drive. It's the little nuances of who talks to who Mm -hmm. and who is invited to that thing. And it can really come to like the awareness more than before, because when, and and talking about parenting groups, it it happens with parenting as well. Mm Your kid's not invited, therefore you're not invited or you're Mm -hmm. not included. And then you're on the outs. So it's not just happening with your kid. It's happening with you and really just having the courage to be different Mm -hmm. and to Mm -hmm. not do what everybody's doing and to Mm -hmm. not try to be part of a popular group, not expect your kid to go to whatever college, because it looks good on paper and it looks, makes you look good. Mm -hmm. Like, oh my gosh, you are the most successful parent. Your kid's going to MIT. Yeah. That's not the measure of being a successful parent and having the courage to be able to define for yourself what success is and letting your kid define for themselves as well. Mm -hmm. So it's really a win-win versus an I'm dictating what success is. You are going to check these boxes.
0: Yeah. I do think it's helpful. In my work, I do kind of say like, hey, here's what I think is success. (laughs) Like I kind of define it Uh in my programs because I define it as emotional health. Mm -hmm. Like, because I believe that at your core, if you are emotionally healthy, which then I define as being able to manage and process all emotion, like knowing what to do with it. So that means knowing what to do with loneliness, knowing what to do with disappointment, knowing what to do with boredom. Yeah. knowing no, h- how to be okay with yourself, mm-hmm. no matter what is happening on the outside. Mm-hmm. And then my belief is that when you have emotional health, then you have other su- su- other successes become easier because you're willing to take risks. You're willing to right. um, develop passions and interests and in your, yourself, right? Like overcome obstacles, set goals. I, I mean, all the things that we really ultimately want for our kids mm-hmm. to have good relationships with others. How do you have that if you don't have a good relationship with yourself? How right. do you have a good work ethic? How do you have that if you have a poor self-esteem or your mom has always done everything for you?
1: Yeah, exactly, <laughs> and that's where the confidence comes from. Mm-hmm. Having the confidence to feel your emotions, and I know that one of the fears the parents that I talk to, one of the fears is that what they're seeing in their teen is out of the norm. Is this normal? Is this normal? Yes, and that fear does feed into the kid. And my Mm -hmm. teens are like, am I normal? Is this normal? And it really does start with the parent being able to have comfort in their ability to feel all the emotions. And when they can, they're able to hold space for when their kid is having big emotions.
0: Yes. I would say be comfortable, be comfortable with your kid's discomfort.
1: Yes. And that's the hard part is to, be is. Able to step back and separate yeah. yourself because you so you want painful. them to feel happy. You want them to be successful. And when you see disappointment, it's like, uh, I don't want Ugh. that for you. It's
0: so devastating when you realize. I mean, I have had this myself. When I realize I'm at the park and I notice that all the moms are talking about something they did earlier that day. Yeah. And all of a sudden I'm like, holy shit, I was not invited. Like, I have that. I, I feel like mom groups, especially like young elementary mom groups, that's yeah. when it's really defined, being defined, these mom groups. It is like being in high school again sometimes. Yeah, it is. And I was like, oh, I'm not included. I felt I know I in so much pain. Yeah. Um. And so like I was talking about like, like, yeah, mom groups are not like there's my there's mean moms out there, you know? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's real. Um, but thinking about what I remember with that group, I was like, Oh, I don't feel safe in this group. I'm not going to continue to put myself into this position. Like I only want to be around people who like me. So
1: yeah,
0: I'm not gonna be around this group. But then I was like, uh Oh, this is almost also my kid's friend group. Uh-huh. <laughs> and so I had to like navigate these waters. And <clears throat> I remember going to the park, Saying to my boys, so I'm not going to sit with the moms I usually sit with. I'm going to sit with other moms, but you guys are going to be there playing with your friends. Mm -hmm. And I brought the dog as like a distraction. (laughs) It was so funny. (laughs) I like walked around the park with the dog and I brought my chair and I set separate and stuff. And it was just very obvious. I was like, I'm not going to play with these moms anymore. They're not nice to me. And my kids were like, didn't even notice, like they don't care, you know? Um, And then I found out that there were other nice moms. Yes. That I hadn't even noticed. And I think that's what we're talking about with the first grader who's in the class. Who's like, oh, these six kids or these kids are not being nice to me. And we keep working at being in that group. It's like, well, there, there's sometimes a gap Mm
1: -hmm. between
0: leaving or recognizing these aren't my friends. Mm -hmm. This isn't the community for me, or this isn't the sport for me, or this isn't the extracurricular for me and waiting for the next thing. And in that waiting, it's so painful,
1: It is. It's that space of discomfort. Yeah. And this really shows up with the parents and the teens that I work with in small things like the clothes that they wear or Mm. how they choose to do their hair. Mm -hmm. The fear is if they look this certain way, or if they present themselves this certain way and they're not fitting in, then they're going to be picked on or left out. And then I have the unique Advantage of being able to speak with the teen as well Mm -hmm. and hear them say, but I don't want to wear that or I don't (laughs) want to align with people who care about what my hair looks like.
0: Their values, they're developing their values, they're developing their self-concept and their esteem based not on. The external validation, which I love about Gen Z, and hopefully Alpha's coming up behind them, I love yeah. that about them. They, I call them like the "I don't give a fuck" generation.
1: <laughs> Absolutely, they're like <laughs> they're like Gen X second generation, you know, but like we yeah, to an right extreme, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, to an extreme, and it's like it's amazing and it's super refreshing, but it's also scary. It's being so scary.
0: Yes, because That's you're awesome. like uh 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 danger. Yeah, if you need you to, to do conform.
1: That Twenty years ago this would have happened.
0: You'd be but bullied. You'd be like extra, you know. Yes, yes, exactly. Um, and and they, bullying exists. And there are actual risks for our children when they are socially isolated, socially excluded. And that's not what we're talking about, right? right. We're not talking about, you know, a campaign against your child by right. a group of kids. who are purposely and, you know, aggressively campaigning against your child and and isolating them. That's bullying Mm -hmm. and that's not okay. We need to protect our kids. This is different because this is like, I need to, in advance, Uh make sure that I inoculate and engineer a situation so that my kid is never put in that position. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And then they end up being someone that they're really not or resenting you. Yes. Because- you know, I had these shoes that I really liked. And my mom said, don't wear those shoes. Mm -hmm. You know, you'll get made fun of. Yeah. You know, and that does present fear. It's just parenting from fear. Then it places fear in your child as well. Fear that you're not going to be accepted unless you totally conform.
0: Yes. Well, and that's why I always like to talk about the antidote to fear is I believe unconditional acceptance.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: like if I 100% see the kid in front of me and I love and accept them, I think love is easy. I think unconditional love is really easy. Yep. But unconditional acceptance, like who you are exactly as you are. Not your behavior. Like, okay, yeah, you can't hit your brother and you can't like (laughs) throw crap at your teacher or like, you know, whatever. (laughs) Yeah. We're not talking about that. Like that. I don't need to unconditionally accept your behavior, but who you are is at your core. If you're, you're um differently abled, right? Like you're neurodivergent in some way. And I'm like, uh oh, you know, this isn't okay. We've got to change you. Right. So that you can be socially accepted. That uh, means I'm not unconditionally accepting you.
1: Right. That, and this I baseline. I did a, a podcast a little way back on parental expectations and how mm-hmm. it can really impact how you show up for your kid. Mm-hmm. And being able to let go of your expectations of what parenting would be like, what your kid would be like, that that idealistic view mm-hmm. that you had before you had kids or when you were younger and you mm-hmm. thought, oh, this, this is what my kid's gonna be like. This is what mm-hmm. parenting's gonna be like. And being able to let go of maybe they don't want to be part of that group. Maybe they don't want to associate with that. They don't like that extracurricular curricular activity that you loved. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: accepting them and what the, who they are at their core,
0: and then holding space for who they're becoming. Yeah, like I unconditionally accept you now, and I fully believe that you're gonna find your way. Right, and then it's like I call that positive parenting vision in my program. Like just like really set out at the age twenty five or ten years from now, and picture them overcoming mm-hmm. all of these out obstacles. Right. And when we hold that vision, we go, okay, we practice that vision. We believe in it. Then in this moment, when your kid doesn't get invited to a birthday party or isn't included in some sort of social event, I remember looking, so my son is a senior, my mm-hmm. son is a tongue My son Sawyer <laughs> is a senior. Um, and I, I happened to be on the Instagram for the senior year, you know, class of 24 kind of thing.
1: Uh-huh.
0: I was scrolling through. First day, senior sunrise or something like that. Right. And I didn't see any photos of him. And I was like, oh, is he not popular? Like, <laughs> is it? I don't know. Like, I got all like, is it? And then I thought, okay, he does. It doesn't matter. Like five years from now, no one will know whether he yeah. was senior at. I don't even know. Maybe he wasn't even there. Like yeah. you know, truth be told. Uh, <laughs> I, I just. Well, I got like that first feeling of like, ah, or eek or something. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, listen, this doesn't matter. It doesn't. Like if we believe that he's strong, he's overcoming, he's growing, he's becoming oh. who he's supposed to be. Like, it's all
1: okay yeah.
0: and relax. I don't have to get all like, hey, you know, why don't you be friends with so-and-so? Because oh, I yes. noticed that they're... <laughs>
1: Yeah. That's the engineering. Yes. Well, why don't you be friends with so-and-so so that I can be part of that group?
0: Yeah. Right. They like, have
1: fun parties.
0: You're not going to homecoming. Well, after the, like whatever takes the pictures, the parents all get together for a drink. Like, how are you uh-huh. going to homecoming? Right.
1: What am I going to do? <laughs>
0: yeah. Like, should I go to the park still and take pictures? Like you're not even yeah. there. That's weird. So then we want them to go. And then we also think all these rites of passage are really important and significant mm-hmm. and that they matter a lot. Yeah.
1: And that really shows up for the older kids when it comes to driving, going mm-hmm. to homecoming, mm-hmm. going to the football games, yeah. that idealistic, again, view of what high school is supposed to be like and what mm-hmm. being a teenager is supposed to be like, but maybe they're not ready, or maybe they don't want to go to that. Or mm-hmm. it, it, again, it always goes to what, what is it that I really want for my child Mm -hmm. and how can I support them in getting that? And that's why I love that idea that you just mentioned, the long-term vision Mm -hmm. and keeping that in the forefront so that when things come up and you do get triggered and you do get that fear is how might this support them in achieving this long-term vision and Mm -hmm. how can I show up and sit alongside them through this journey versus pulling them in the wagon behind me.
0: Mm yeah sit alongside them is such a beautiful image because really i think some of the things that we like the problem or the the error that we make is thinking that our kids should not feel discomfort mm-hmm. right that they're that that's not okay that something has gone wrong if they're sad something has gone wrong if they're lonely yeah and really it it's a good thing especially if we can come alongside yeah, and hold space for that pain, and say like this pain is totally valid. Yeah. You it you are entitled to feel this way, right? Not, instead of going, well, those parents are bitches. Mm-hmm.
1: Right. Those
0: kids aren't are me. Or they're they don't just know jealous. They're just jealous.
1: <laughs> That's my favorite one. They're just jealous,
0: <laughs> or they're intimidated. Right. And we're just, we're sort of gaslighting or like bypassing our kids' negative emotion because Uh we're uncomfortable with it. And we all, we don't want them to get stuck. We don't want their self-esteem to be affected. Right. That's the misconception of like, I understand why parents want to act this way Mm -hmm. with their children, why they want to say they're just jealous or Mm -hmm. their loss or whatever. Mm -hmm. There's room for that, but not right in the beginning, like in the pain. It's like, yeah, this pain is just real and it is awful.
1: Yeah. Because when you're mm -hmm. justifying it or you're setting up, you're giving reasons why it's happening, that's basically your way of saying, don't feel that, don't feel that uncomfortable feeling. You -hmm. need to feel something different. Here's some ways that you can feel different instead. Of course, you're going to feel that way. Anybody in your situation would feel that way. It makes total sense. Yes. Right. And then you're there for them. You're Mm -hmm. there sitting next to them. I like to envision like there's a bench and they're on the bench and they're crying. Mm -hmm. And instead of going over there and saying, let's get off the bench, let's go play. Let's go, you know, do this Mm -hmm. thing. You sit on the bench with them until Mm -hmm. they're ready to get up.
0: Yeah. And that's what I love is that we often don't believe that they're going to ever be ready. And I I think we should trust the brain and trust the balance that the brain is always seeking for for emotional regularity. Like, The brain and our body and our mind—it desires healing. It desires going back to like homeostasis, going back to balance. Mm-hmm. And so, yes, we have these big moments of turmoil, and then their brain will do some work, yeah, inside to move themselves to another state, emotional state, because the feelings are temporary and they pass. Mm-hmm. And if we believe we have to intercept and we have to do something. To change that feeling, we're really not letting their whole process happen where it's like you can feel sad and you can then move through it and then go to a new emotion.
1: Right. And that's like we had talked about strategies to like if you notice your tendency to want to engineer or to Mm -hmm. intervene, Mm -hmm. that's a perfect strategy. That's a perfect way to start Mm -hmm. is to give them space to feel whatever it is they feel Mm -hmm. and to trust yourself, to allow them
0: to feel Mm -hmm. that. Mm -hmm. Yes. I think trust them. Like looking at your kid and being like, you are strong enough to overcome this moment. Mm -hmm. And then they borrow your belief. Mm -hmm. They borrow your thought about them. Like, yeah, this is really terrible, but I'm stronger than this. Terrible and it's like yep you can both and right you can feel terrible and you can move through it and yeah. maybe make different decisions for yourself i don't know maybe find a new friend or yeah um maybe there's some sort of thing in their behavior that is off putting i don't you know
1: absolutely <laughs> and that's where parenting with curiosity can really come in handy mm-hmm. you know what do you think really is going on here or mm-hmm. what could be done differently or or how would you like your how would you like to handle this yeah
0: exactly right and like letting them problem solve with you there but when we get scared oh no they're not invited that means and we play out that worst case scenario right. like you know it, it it they then either have to soothe us
1: <laughs> yeah it's okay mom i'm okay it's all right
0: yeah i'm okay i'm okay it's not like, and they like brush away their video. little tears uh-huh. right yeah. Or they're like, uh oh, the person who knows me best in the whole world, the grown right. up that I rely on, has like the oh shit face. Uh-huh. So we're in deep trouble here. Yeah. Then that perpetuates itself in like, they either people please, overwork, overproduce, right? Or turned like, get, get the fuckets, right? I always say, fix it or fuck it. Like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like yeah. one or the other.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Yeah, so totally. Yeah. I love that. And, it all really starts with your, your internal work,
0: mm-hmm. and
1: Yes, you learning how to pause before emailing the teacher yeah. pause before reaching out to that parent and asking why your kid wasn't invited or going and, you know, having a conversation with the kid and being like, why are you leaving my kid out?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> right? I think a question, I think a question you could ask yourself, like, how could this be, how could this circumstance serve my kid? Yeah. Like, what are the positive benefits about this difficult thing? And Uh like, just when in that pause, I'm thinking of like, okay, what are we doing in that pause? Like we're soothing our own nervous system because we're scared and upset. Right. So we're calming ourselves for sure. But then how to coach ourselves or reframe just enough to see if there's some room yeah. Like how do how could this benefit my kid? How, what are the positives of this? Like what yeah. could end up Now if you come up with nothing, then maybe
1: maybe right. it's right.
0: Maybe they do need some intervention.
1: What's the opportunity here?
0: Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And again, it goes to if it's if there is no opportunity. Yeah. I would I would venture to say that most experiences in life are there to teach you and You just need to be willing to be open to the fact that it is an opportunity to learn something, whether it's about yourself or about the world or about other people Yeah, to be able to reflect upon that. And again, that comes after you've processed.
0: Yes. Yes. I like, I just listened to this interview with Oprah. Winfrey. Uh-huh. And she was yeah. talking about how
1: oh Oprah Winfrey. It wasn't a different Oprah. <laughs> yeah. Do you not know? <laughs> Let Thank me clarify. Specifying that. <laughs>
0: um, Madonna. is it's just, it's just Sarah, in case you need to know, like whatever, oh, okay. like there's only there's some <laughs> pe- Beyonce. You don't need to know her last name. No, yeah, yeah. <laughs> just have their first name. It's amazing. But yeah, so I she was talking about like this movie that she put her whole soul into Bombed. Yeah. And then she and then also like she was trying to do this fundraiser and she got a lot of hate, hate backlash about it and things like that. And she was like, what is it? What is there to learn from here for me? Mm -hmm. Like always looking and, you you know, what is the opportunity here? Mm -hmm. and What am I supposed to learn? Mm -hmm. And that if we could give that to our kids, like, yeah, this is she's like, I was devastated. I didn't get out of the bed for a week. I like, you know, fed myself mac and cheese or whatever. You know, she's like, I process my feelings. And then I move to the other side and I'm like, what is there for me to learn here? Mm-hmm. And I think that's a really good lesson for our, our parents to that we work with on mm-hmm. our parents.
1: <laughs> well, them too. Yeah. <laughs> um,
0: but just really saying, you know, hey, your kids are going to go through hard things. Yeah. That is normal. I always say like perfection doesn't prevent pain. Right. Because I think we think.
1: Yes.
0: That if it's we engineer perfect. it all, yeah. If we like build the bowling alley uh-huh. and we make sure everybody is there who loves our kid and there's right. all the right balls and all the right, you know, shoes and all the right you know, everything, the lighting, it's all perfect, best music, right? <laughs> perfect bowling alley. <laughs> that our kid won't get hurt and then like uh-huh. they drop the ball on their foot.
1: Right. It's like you you, you don't can't have- you cannot orchestrate perfection. No. You cannot. And and expecting or even thinking that it exists is exhausting, Mm -hmm. like you said. Mm -hmm. And it all starts with you being able to do these things for yourself first. Yeah.
0: God, healing the the places maybe in our own childhood and adolescence where we were excluded or
1: like sometimes
0: I have to heal personally from the ways that my family dynamic, like the trauma, the pain of my life, sort of did <clears throat> impact my opportunities. Yeah. In terms of like where I was going to go to college or what up, op- you know, whatever, whatever opportunities I could have had, and then so sometimes I find myself wanting to make sure I give my kids, yeah, all the things I didn't have, uh huh, and all the like. You know, emotional support I didn't have, and all of the f- physical things I didn't have, and like whatever, and thinking that that is going to make them okay, right? And it's like, oh no, no, no! I need to remind myself that those like were okay. I I survived. Mm-hmm. I was okay. It actually benefited yeah. me long term, yeah. and that I'm not creating pain and trauma with my children.
1: Exactly, doing the best that you can. Yeah, like uh-huh. way better. It's like screw that. I'm doing better oh, than I can. You are <laughs> thriving. And you're an yes. amazing example for them.
0: Exactly. And I think that's the truth for all of the po- moms that like listen to podcasts. Like, listen, you're oh, listening yeah. to a parenting podcast. Like you're already like,
1: exactly. You're check. already doing the thing. You
0: are. <laughs> <laughs> you know,
1: it's like you're, you
0: can just relax and be like, okay, I've done it. I'm doing enough. I just talked to a client the other day. I was like, what if you just went to 80, 20, like 80% yeah. of the time I got I've got it under, like, we've got good limits and routines and I don't let them eat candy and play video games. It's like, okay, great. 80%. Perfect. Like B minus work is excellent. Absolutely. Yeah.
1: Allowing yourself to be okay with it. Mm -hmm. And maybe it comes down to putting less pressure on yourself
0: first Mm -hmm.
1: and, believing that you are good enough right now as a parent, as a person, you are good enough. That doesn't mean that there are areas where you can improve and you can work on, but having sufficiency Mm -hmm. as a person and as a parent, and when you're able to show up as a parent feeling sufficient, your child will see that.
0: And they will feel sufficient. I just really believe that the It's contagious. It is. Like how we feel and think, especially our kids, they borrow that, right? They don't have, they don't know enough about the world. So Mm
1: -hmm.
0: they, we, I say like their self-concept is an inheritance. They inherit it from us at 12 years old. It's like, here are all the thoughts and feelings I have about you and what I believe is possible for you. And it's like, if you imagined giving your kid a self-concept in a gift box, like wrapped up, would you want it to be like, people don't like you. You were better work harder. <laughs> <Exactly>. Right. <laughs> if right. you're not perfect, you pe- you know, you're going to be screwed in life. Yeah. Like oh yeah, here's in this box of crap. Right. Like, no, we want it to be like as great of a box of self-concept, you know, thoughts as we can. Right. And then right. it's their job to then own those in adolescence.
1: Mm-hmm. Right. And to- Im- implement it.
0: Yeah. And to practice, but they don't have to choose. They uh-huh. I always say. Your kids get that box uh, that you're their inheritance, right? Their self-concept inheritance. And it's like, they can either believe it yeah, or not. Yeah. They can either think you don't know me at all. Right. It could be full of good thoughts and Mm -hmm. they could somehow say, you don't know me at all and choose a negative self-concept. That is their Mm -hmm. journey. And that's very painful. It's very painful as a parent. Absolutely. But if we give them a crappy one Mm -hmm. and they're like, No. This is not yeah. who I am. Yeah. Then they disregard who who your relate the relationship. They're like you don't know me, right? So that you know, it's like why why give them a crappy one? Why take that exactly
1: <laughs> give them a good box? And when you're this is this is something to always remember is that when you're feeling sufficient, your you will not need validation from what who your child is and who yeah. they are not. Because it, yes, it has something to do with you in that you are the person who is raising them, but they mm. are their own person, especially yeah. as they're getting older. Yeah. And when you're able to feel sufficient, even when your child is misbehaving, or even mm. when they make a poor choice or break the rules or do something dumb, teens do, do dumb stuff all the time.
0: Or even when they're not included, even when they're not even popular, they're
1: like even when even they don't in their team. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they don't get into the school, you know, Mm -hmm. or they, you know, Mm -hmm. they, they fail the test or they fail the class that you're still good enough as a parent.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's a good takeaway for today. For sure. Like, you know, you, you can trust yourself. That, Like, yeah, your self-worth just in general, your self-worth is not predicated on your children's performance. That's right. If, if you tie it to that, woo, good luck. Good luck. Cause that is going to be a roller coaster.
1: That's going to be a roller coaster. I do not want to get on. <laughs>
0: it's a terror terrorizing one.
1: It's not even fun.
0: No, not even fun. <laughs> no. no, not at all. No. And it's um yeah. So we, we just really, I, I guess my, one of my takeaways for today as well for parents is like, we raise our kids in communities. We just do. Mm-hmm. And having a few like-minded moms around, you or you know dad's too where you've all decided to not buy in to performance based parenting yeah. and to you know performance measurements for kids like if you have some people and it might take some courage in the beginning to say we're not going to do all of that <laughs> like whatever that is or we're not going to make sure our kids measure up in this way and that way and this way and whatever uh that that leadership is a risk, but there will be other people who come and are drawn to it and trust that the other moms and dads are looking for ways out because it all feels terrible. And so you're not the only one who feels this way. And once you start making these choices, you will find other people who are drawn to yes. Oh, wow. We don't have to do that. And like, we can still be okay.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's having, feeling safe in doing what's right for you, what feels good for you and trusting that your community will, is there, is out there. You're mm-hmm. not going to be on an Island in it. And I would venture to say that the majority of parents are wanting that more than the ones that want to have the shiny gold medal. Yeah. At the end of the day. Yeah. They just want as, their kids to be happy. And that is, if, every mm-hmm. parent I talk to, that mm-hmm. is all they want is for their kid to be happy.
0: Yeah, and it doesn't come from the outside. That's the thing I think. If they right. could understand that happiness is not but not going to come from being invited to hundred parties. No, but when you are happy inside, you might get invited to hundred parties.
1: Exactly, or you <laughs> won't care if you're invited. If yes, you invited, it won't matter. You may not want to go. What do they call it? Like sexy
0: indifference.
1: <laughs> oh, I like that. <laughs> that that is a good one. I've never heard that.
0: Uh-huh. It's like just being like, yeah, I don't know, invite me or not. It's I'm cool. fine.
1: It's yeah. cool. I'm good. I'm, fine. I'm good. Either God. I
0: want every kid to have that feeling of like, yes. I'm good, whatever. It's fine. And they'll borrow you it from know. your from parents.
1: They just will. Yeah. And they'll feel more confident when you're more confident. It yeah. all starts with you. And that going back to that, it all starts with you. Mm-hmm. Knowing that you may walk into the bowling alley and it may be a mess. There may be balls that aren't completely spherical the lighting may be bad (laughs) the music may suck but you are still okay
0: yeah exactly and also fuck bowling
1: i know (laughs) (laughs) i want to go bowling anyway sometimes just be like we don't even like bowling goodbye maybe i want to go to the trampoline park maybe i want to go to the beach that's right okay I think we should end with fuck bowling. <laughs> I like that. That's a perfect ending. That's our advice for this this fine podcast episode.
0: This is just such a good episode. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So uh, how do people find you?
1: Yes. So I am, my podcast is called Raising Happy Teens and I can be found on Instagram at jennifer.delaquadri. My website is jenniferdelaquadri.com and I'm also on TikTok, jennifer.delaquadri, all of the above uh uh-huh. And yeah. what about you? Where can my friends find you?
0: Uh, my podcast is Become a Calm Mama and my website is calmmamacoaching.com. And so that's the best one-stop shop to find out all about me. If I'm on Instagram at Darlin Childress, lots of parenting stuff on there. Perfect. Um, so fun yeah. to have with you. Yes, yes. I always love our conversations.
1: <laughs> so fun. Okay. All right. Oh, I will
0: see you soon. Bye, everyone.
1: Bye.